He opened the door and then he was like, well, things are falling out of the car. Not going to do anything about it. Just wait till everything's done and pick it on up. So he just watched a bunch of shit fall out. He knew right away that things were falling. And he just decided not to do anything about it. Sounds like he was trying to break your laptop, dude. I think I think he should. We should kill him. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Guys, welcome back. Oops, the podcast. Julio Gallarotti, Ryan Lynch. Catch us tonight in Stamford, Connecticut at New York Comedy Club, Stamford. You pumped, dude? I'm super pumped. I uh, I am sad to hear, or sad to see at least, that the comedy club is right next to where the Cheesecake Factory used to be. Uh, I used to go there on my lunch breaks and get a salad. Really? In that area, huh? A salad, a beer, and a loaf of bread. And uh, <laughs> rest in peace to the cheesecake. Factory. A salad, a beer, struggling. and a loaf of bread. Yeah, really? oh, you had a beer for lunch. Yeah, on Fridays. Nice, on dude. Fridays. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's like Fridays, London, yeah. London town. Yeah, I love Stanford, Connecticut. I lived there for three years, and so uh, yeah, I'm super pumped. I'm excited to go back. Stanford is the is maybe the nicest. Well that's, put. That's what I would say. Well put. If I had to, uh, but New Haven has you had to. Yale. New Haven has. Pizza, New Haven has stuff. One quick rack, Almo Bagelery. I forget exactly what it's called. This is a New Haven. So if you're going between New York and Boston or you live in Connecticut, uh, it's a great place to stop for breakfast along the way. If uh, you're traveling earlier, then it would be time to get pizza. Mm. Uh, Olmo, O-L-M-O. Check it out. It's a really cute vibe in there. How are you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm I'm excited for this show. It's going to be fun. I think my parents are coming. Big G is interested about about you he's like how much time is he doing how much did we say again i don't think 10 okay so 10 um yeah dude i'm excited i'm super excited for this show and my dad thought that that was cute what's cute he's like oh it's cute that he's doing 10 minutes and i was like that's that i was patronizing i was like that's a little rude dude and he's like no i don't mean it that way i mean it like it's fun that it's like he's new to it and he's doing 10 minutes i'm like all right well you're diminishing how difficult it is to come up with 10 minutes of comedy which is indirectly uh, it's like a a backfire at me in a way like and he's like oh Mm. and he goes oh come on like (laughs) as if here i am doing what i do i'm overreacting i overreacted about his comment about me doing illegal shit i'm just out here overreacting um and it's fine i know he didn't mean anything by it uh but i did stick up for you thank you i appreciate that you're welcome yeah, dude, I, I I am really excited for the show, the opportunity. It'll be great. And uh, yeah, I love Stanford. That's where I spent COVID. Yeah, oh, oh shit. That's where I spent my COVID. Yeah. But it's like a full on, so like, I know there's a lot of reverse commuters and stuff who like commute there to work, but people live there, right? And they live downtown and they live like, like in that big downtown area, are there apartment buildings there that people live in or people live in houses? Like, what's Yeah, the I would say I lived right off the exit I mean, when you get off the exit, you're right in the middle of downtown. Yeah. I would say it's a very condensed, you know, downtown is very densely populated and everything's there. It's not too spread out of a city. Um, I lived right in the thick of it. How did you end up there? So I finished undergrad in 2018 and all of my close friends were going to be sticking around at Quinnipiac, which is Hamden, which is about 40, uh, which is about about an hour, a little over an hour north of Stanford. And it's right near New Haven. It's right near New Haven. So do people work in New Haven out of college? No. So my friends, they were all sticking around for a fifth year because they were yeah. doing they were doing a, a grad year. Quinnipiac yeah. had like a two-year master's program condensed into one year. So just a ton of classes. You're able to get it done in one year instead and, of two. And what is the like feeder program into? Like do people become teachers? Like what is the point of Most of my buddies were in accounting. Got it. So And you need a master's to be an accountant? Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah. Um, you guys would know. If you guys know, throw it in the comments. I know you need a CPA. But yeah, your CPA. That was it. So okay. a lot of my buddies were studying for the CPA. That was their. That's their path. That's what they're doing. Okay. So I graduated with a marketing degree, and I didn't really have anything lined up. Um, I did a lot of uh, you know interviews, and I applied to a ton of marketing jobs, but nothing I was crazy passionate about. Then... Uh, when it came to, you know, deciding, am I going to move home? Am I not moving home? I was so desperate to stay. Just, I, I just could not bear the fact of moving home after college when all of my friends are going to have another year. So you were going to move home because you had nothing lined up. Yeah. 
I just had nothing lined up. And then I also was, you know, Victoria was, she's a year younger, so she was going to be back in the fall for her senior year. Got it. And so I was, I, you know, the, the fire was under my ass to like try to find a way to make staying here for another year work. So big G, by the way, did the same thing to spend more time with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, my best friends and my girlfriend who lives in Boston or Massachusetts, Plymouth, Massachusetts, like, you know, going from Hamden to Massachusetts, it's a lot easier. She's in school. I know that. But just like going from New Jersey all the way to Massachusetts and then New Jersey all the way to Connecticut, like that would be the only way that I'd see her. I'd either be driving to Connecticut and then back home or I'd be driving all the way from New Jersey to Massachusetts and back home as opposed to always coming from Connecticut to Mass. So wait, but you were class president. Like, were you not looking for jobs as a senior? Were you like caught up with your college life? No, I was I was looking for jobs, um, but I didn't, you know, my, my friends, they all had uh, accounting. We're going to work at the, we want to work at the big four. They had all that lined up. I kind of just didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew is I wanted to make money. And so um, I ended up getting a job at the tech sales company in Stanford. Uh, and the reason why I got the job there was because one, it paid really well. And two, I could still live with my buddies in Hamden. So I commuted from Hamden to Stanford, Connecticut, Monday through Friday, uh, during that. And you'd come hang out on the weekends with them. And And then I come home on Fridays and then I got to participate in everything during the week. I got to spend it with Victoria when I got home from work. Like it was, it was awesome. But so, but how far is that drive? So she would drive down and hang at your apartment and then go back up for class. So I would, so I lived in the same college town and all my apartment. I'm sorry. Yeah. I missed that. Okay. So Quinnipiac's in Hamden. No, I get it. So you stayed there and you commuted to the, to work. Yeah. So I just commuted Sorry. there and I came back Monday through Friday. And uh, yeah, I just had this, I had this feeling of like, I cannot leave. The amount of FOMO that I would have to not be able to be with my friends after I've developed these super strong relationships, just to do that for four years, feel the most confident self that I am, the most established that I feel just in terms of just lifestyle. To go back home would feel like such a setback. It's a tough transition. And I remember, you know, the year after I graduated, I went back to visit school and that was fun. You know what I mean? You haven't like fully moved on from me yet. So I get that. And um, so you lived in like an apartment in the city. Yeah. So and it was cheap probably compared to what you would have paid in Stanford, right? I think my rent was 500 bucks a month. For, and you lived alone? I lived in the loft of a two bedroom apartment with my buddies because they already signed their leases and I was starting to get really desperate and I was like, guys, can we switch over and maybe try to do like a, you know, a three bedroom? And they're like, dude, they're all booked. We're going to do this. You can have the loft and turn that into your bedroom. It's not going to be great. It's going to suck. But like, if you like, you know, they totally were just like, dude, you really want to like live together? Fine. Like that, that's fine. I'll make that work. But, um, I did, I desperately needed to be there Hilarious. and I, I could so not slumming it as a fifth year senior, basically like who was my first money? year at work. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, it was it was terrible. I had just like a little upstairs loft on this in this tiny apartment. We made it work, um, and then I'd buy these blackout curtains, and so like there was no privacy, <laughs> no intimacy unless everyone went to bed, um, and uh, it was a tough, difficult, frustrating year. Then why? Because I was because they're 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 in college mode. So, so so but was that hard? Like you felt isolated as this adult when they were still fun and having getting to have the fun of college, but you needed to go to work now. No, it wasn't that. It was it was like on Wednesday. It was you know it was, it was a transitional period. So like on Wednesday nights when people might go out, they'd stay up until you know twelve, one, two, watching YouTube. That's Three. loud. Three four. sometimes four. Like and then I you know the, the, then the passive aggression kicks in. You're in this in. exposed loft. I'm just in the room with them. I'm just upstairs behind a curtain that doesn't block sound. Jesus Christ! But I also know that that's what I signed up for. So like you know it was it was really tough because I wanted to you know I don't want to be an annoying prick about it because you know they had their own situation and I didn't impose. They were super excited that I wanted to live with them and, and we were all very amicable about it. Amicable about it. Um, well, but it sounds like you weren't, you started fighting. I didn't realize until after like the first week of work that like, this is going to be frustrating. This is going to be tough. And the reason why I also got the job in Stanford was because my one buddy after his fifth year, uh, that I was living with was guaranteed a job in Stanford. So that seemed to be where everyone was going to be gravitating. So I was planning ahead and I wanted to make sure that I had roots in Stanford, Connecticut. 
so that when everyone was done in college and when everyone ended up actually leaving and dispersing and going to Stanford, I got to live with my buddies. So the two people that I lived with in Hamden for that fifth year, I lived with in Stanford. Okay. So at some point when you're sleeping in this loft, were you just like, I'm going to move out or it was too scary to be on your own? No, dude. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like leasing, like all that stuff. I was so novice. Just hard, it was just yeah. like no way. I would spend the night at Victoria's a lot because she lived in a house. Got it. And she uh, she had her own room with walls. So and if a you door. had work, you'd stay at hers. Maybe. Yeah, we we would go back and forth. It, it ended up not being too big of an issue. There was only one blow up I had. It was like the first week when the, uh, I I had work. So I was like a couple months into work and they were back, uh, you know, first week of school, everyone's partying, even in the master's program. And my one buddy came to visit and he brought a couple girls over and my two roommates went to bed and my one buddy stayed and he's on the deck and he's blasting music. This guy does not live with you. Doesn't live with us. My buddies go to bed. They don't really care. They have bedrooms. They have walls. I'm in the room with them essentially. But the only thing in between us is like a glass screen. So... I go down like, hey guys, I got work tomorrow. Can you guys like, can you guys go home? This is sounding like a Zach and Danny situation. Yeah, I was like, can, I was like, can you? I was like, can you guys go home? And uh, and my friend Brian, who I love, and but we always fight like this. And like he was like, oh no, dude, all right, fine, we'll turn the volume down. And uh, and I was like, okay, like that, like please, because you know it's not just my home. Even though I should have, I should have been angrier, and I should have just fucking kicked them out. But I go back up to my little staircase. I'm still in the room with them. And then they just continue to get louder and louder. And I'm mm. laying in bed just like... <sighs> and they're drunk. <sighs> and then I go down and I start screaming at them. Uh. And I felt bad because there's these two girls that like don't know me. Uh, and I screamed at them. And I ended up becoming friends with them. And just what a terrible like first impression. Mm, I was tough. like, I have fucking work tomorrow. Like, I totally understand. You guys want to chill? I get it. You have school. But I have work tomorrow. Like, do this somewhere else. Like, go back to your apartment and do this. And I think that his buddy was having a girl over. There's a reason why he was still there. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, fuck him. That's not your problem. Yeah. So, you know, he, he ended up leaving. Like, I, it ended up, like, ending right there when I came down and I was screaming. And I hated that. Uh, and <laughs> Do these guys live? Are they from Connecticut originally? That guy's from Connecticut. And in general, where are people from Quinnipiac from? Tri-State mostly? Jer yeah, Tri-State. Yeah. So that was that. Uh, and then uh, we moved to a three-bedroom in Stanford, and uh, everything was fine. Do those guys live in Stanford still? No. What Everyone they, lives one in Weehawken, one in Jersey City, and then I'm in Brooklyn. And they work in Jersey or they work in New York? Uh, one works in Jersey, one works in... Uh, Jersey City. And do they all work for big accounting firms? Uh, not the big four. My one friend did at one point. Nice. Um, but now he's working for a smaller place. A little, little more chill. Nice. A little more chill. Nice. So nice. yeah, that's the full scoop. But It's the full scoop. When once we After that, once we moved to Stanford, it was a hell of a time. And I absolutely loved living there. So. And know. then you moved to New Jersey? Then I moved to Weehawken, which is just north of Hoboken. I did not want to move there. But that was the compromise that I made with my buddy Pete. Because uh, I wanted to live in the city, and oh, okay. he had no interest in that. Why did no one of your friends want to live in the city? I don't I'm so know, dude. About. I don't know. But no, were any of them <laughs> from New York? No, they're from Jersey or Connecticut. Yeah, Massachusetts, Jersey, Connecticut, Jersey, Connecticut, and nobody wanted to live in the city. Not my squad. It's surprising to me to hear that people who went to Quinnipiac, where it's, it's an expensive private school, and I'm sure there's people, were there people from Long Island that went there and tons, stuff. Tons. Yeah, so like. Surprises me to hear that you and your squad just like resisted the city so hard. Well, I just think that's just different interests. Like I want 100. I'm not saying you should have felt a certain way. I'm just surprised. No, I I was I was frustrated with that. I thought it was going to be an easy sell, but no one had interest in that. All my buddies are really smart. They're in PT programs. They're in uh, OT programs. They're in accounting. Uh, like they just, you know, I want to do like something in in entertainment and stuff like that, and like uh, and like sales and city and fun and vibes and going out. And uh, they just weren't as interested in that with me. And when you're just out of college and you're only making XYZ money to start, totally. you're kind of limited and you got to make yeah. sacrifices. It took me so many years to find, like, just like moving the peg closer and closer mm. and closer to the city. And now we're finally here. Crazy. Yeah. Well, but dude, you know, read the OT, the PT, whatever. I mean, there's plenty of those people in the city. I know, but they just, they didn't care. They, when they think of New York, I, I don't even want to they speak just, for them. They, they, think, didn't, they didn't have any interest. They didn't have any interest. No, nobody was interested. No. It wasn't a thing anyone talked about. Was anybody like, should we go to New York after we got here? People like, ah, it's too expensive. Ah, it's too crazy. Ah, I need to have my car. Those, yeah. kind of, those kind of things. Yeah. Dude, I would pitch. 
uh, when we were in Stanford, uh, my two, I was like, guys, let's go in the city and let's go out to dinner. No. Just there's there's no. decent spots to go to dinner in Stanford. There are, but I mean, just like, like you know, we're so close to the city. Let's take advantage yeah. of this. I didn't know I was Our moving train. to the city until I moved to the city. Like I was like, guys, we're so like, let's just take the top on the train. It's Express so train. easy. Right to no interest. Uh, eh. Are they gamblers? Maybe that's why they are. No, they're <laughs> great friends. And now they all live in the area and now we all link up all the time. And uh, we meet in Manhattan all the time. So it took a long time, but now, now Maybe we're here. They'll move here. Maybe they'll move here. Well, dude, speaking of moving, don't, do you have another? No, I just saying I don't. It's okay if they don't move here. Like, okay. I don't need them to move here. Um, I, I see them plenty enough, and they're very happy in their prospective lives. So, well, dude, I have a big update for us. You, I am moving near you, bro. Are you? Is that official? Yeah, I'm moving to Greenpoint. Oh, but like closer to Williamsburg, Greenpoint. Okay, so by McCarran like, Park. Like, dude, uh, let's look right now. Like, it's a 15 minute walk to the Bedford Ave L stop from where I am. So, like. Probably no more than like a 20 minute walk from you. Uh, I'd say I'd say I'm about 10, 15. Like, it, yeah, easy, easy bike ride. So maybe whatever. But yeah, really easy bike ride. It'll be <laughs> easy for you. We'll have more space. We'll be able to set up a pod studio. The new place is sick too. So oh, this is, this is, is it official? Us. Pretty much, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, we got official word. That it's ours today, this morning. Um, I'm going to look Congrats, right now. Congrats, dude. That's stressful. It's like a mile away from you. That's an easy bike ride. Yeah. I have a I have a city bike station right outside my apartment. Oh, sick! So Perfect. I uh, I always go to Greenpoint whenever I need to go to the bank. Great. Yeah. Really? It's random. I I, I my bank is in Greenpoint. Is so. it Citizens? TD. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's in Massachusetts. That's man. awesome, dude. How was the process? Was it was it stressful? No. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we didn't have to we didn't have to move. So this is the thing: we don't have to move. We have a deal with this current apartment where we can stay. The apartment's just too small, dude. It's too small for us. We, you know, we were used to living in a place that was three or 400 square feet bigger. We had a COVID deal. So we came up in money and down in size. And while our apartment is nice and our building is nice and the people who work here are great, um, the view wears off quickly. And Mm -hmm. then suddenly you're just in a place that's too small. I could have maybe made it work, but like, in my opinion, she might disagree with this. Hill Dog eventually gave up, was like, this I'm not going to be able to make this apartment comfortable mm. and we don't hang out on the couch. We don't hang out in the common area. We just hang out in bed and it's just like a, a bummer. So it's like, we are excited to be, this new place is twice the size of this. Really? Yep. Is it a two bedroom? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's sick. That's awesome. dude. We're really excited, man. Happy for and, you. And, uh, you know, based on all the, all the factors, like it's, it's a great thing for us. And, uh, as far as money goes, like, I don't know that we could get a place that nice for that in that price range in the city. Mm. Um, so we're pumped. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you know Williamsburg, Greenpoint. Nice Point. to be back in Brooklyn. It's my favorite neighborhood in the city. It's it's the spot. I'm it's, thrilled. It's the spot. I'm thrilled. You texted me last night asking for my address, and you referred to Williamsburg as the Berg. The Berg. And I got a pulse in my pants. I was excited. I don't know that. how cool of a term that is. I thought it was pretty cool. Like the Berg. It, the Berg. The Berg. The Berg. Someone broke into my coffee shop. What? Uh, my my the coffee shop right around the corner from me the other night. How they do that? I uh, they threw a brick through the front door. Holy fuck! And then uh, you know they posted something on Instagram and they were like, I guess they couldn't uh, wait to get our croissants. So it was really cute. The That's funny, funny Instagram post. Funny. And then uh, we went we went the the day after it happened and it was packed with support. Nice. And uh, everybody was going we and I felt together. bad because the woman behind the counter she was obviously shooken up, and she was just she kept getting asked like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I asked her what happened, and she's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. She's pretty defeated. So you, everybody was asking her. Everyone was asking. Yeah. I mean, the curiosity. Yeah, the curiosity there. She's like, I don't, um, I don't know. Yeah, she, it was. I felt bad. She like, yeah, she was. This was a rough night for them. Do we know what happened beyond the brick? And did people? There's probably no money in the register. I know they have like everyone. Everyone pays with tap, and no one, no one really carries and cash don't around. Keep, people don't keep cash in the register usually at the end of the night. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But she said that they were. Maybe when they just I just want croissants. When I asked her, she said that they were in and out, and they have it on camera. I'm like, did you guys catch the guy? And she's like, not yet. Like she was like, what do you want? Like <laughs> it's a rough day for us. Um, but yeah, dude, get. Uh, I know you don't drink a lot of coffee, but does, I have does, a little. I does, have one this does morning. Does Hill Dog drink coffee? He's sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, dude, this reminded me of something. The word croissant, right? Croissant. You can say it like that, and you're not saying croissant. You can say croissant and not be obnoxious, theoretically, right? Uh-huh. Because some words, it's like when people try to pronounce them, it just like sounds douchey no matter what. 
croissant, croissant, whatever. But some if people go croissant, I've heard people do that. <laughs> and they and they do not have a French accent. That is like a nuanced version of that problem. Uh, croissant. Hi, may I please have an oat milk latte and a croissant? Literally, bro. Literally. <laughs> Let's span it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But literally. The exact, dude, exactly that. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I just wanted a coffee and a croissant. Mm. It's absurd. Mm. Um, well, anyway, guys, thank you for coming out to the shows in Phoenix and in uh, San Diego. They were amazing. Had a great time. Uh, did a bunch of cool shit. I'd never actually really been to Phoenix before. Uh, I did morning radio out there. I did Holmberg's Morning Sickness. I forget what specifically what channel is. It's hard to remember. The like I think it was ninety seven. I don't remember. But it's on it's on uh, radio in Phoenix. Had a great time doing that. Those guys are cool as fuck. Um, and got some national parkage in. I saw that. Yeah, where'd you go? And it was pretty cool. So. I don't like to do too much research before I go because sometimes you can ruin the experience. I don't really want to know what I'm getting myself into, but sometimes that can fuck you because sometimes you need to plan, especially for things like really big, like not having a plan before you go is stupid, but you can kind of start to like make assumptions based on the classification. So if it's like a national historic site, usually you don't need to plan a lot because it's not going to be that like big. Just make sure it's open and maybe there'll be a few different sites, but it'll be digestible. Whereas if you're going to Arches National Park, you know that you it's going to be big and you're going to want to explore. You're going to want to find the best hike. You're going to want to like find out some info. But for some of this stuff, I just it was like ruins. So I was like, I'm not going to look too much into it. So one of these places is called Hohokampina or Hohokampima or something, I think. And it's not there. You go to it and it's, there's nothing. It's just a field. So would you type into like a map? Like an ad, is there an address yep. for yeah, it? Yeah, it comes up. And it's part of what was called Snake Town before. And the, there are these ruins from Snake like Town. 1100 BC. Like old shit. Cool shit. But I guess what happened is they excavated it originally. And they found it cool, whatever. It was open. And it was on, it's on native land. And I don't know if that turned into a classification later because I don't know how they were able to find it and have it on display for a while. But the natives who owned the land covered it up they filled it back in and put dirt all over it and now there's not you can't see it. it's not there it's just flat it's just flat it's nothing there and i don't know like it seems to me like there's a chance and i, I was trying to google this and figure it out and i couldn't but it seemed like they maybe did it spitefully sounds like, like it, to yeah. be dicks I, I don't know for sure i i'm making this up but i i was trying to figure out what and maybe they just didn't want visitors i, I don't really know and I know a lot of the national parks that are on native land there's usually like stricter guidelines because they want to preserve they want to preserve it which i completely respect um but this place is just kind of like in the middle of a bunch of like big roads and then there's just this blank field and there's this like weird little graveyard which was interesting but I, so the so point they kept that I, I, that must be just like different okay. i don't think that the graveyard wasn't ancient but it was campy enough looking that it was interesting mm -hmm. but i will say that is part of the whole experience to me, dude. The fact that I went to one and it wasn't even there. I enjoyed that. I was like, this is hilarious. I was trying to just like figure out the thought process behind just completely covering that up. Um, but the point that I always make is you'll never have a boring afternoon going to one of these. Uh, getting there is always interesting. What you find when you get there is always interesting. And the surrounding areas and like all that stuff is interesting. Because a lot of the time this stuff is from ancient times. And... You can't conveniently choose to put something ancient near modern stuff. Mm -hmm. So like the chances of it being right off the highway are not good usually, which makes you get off the beaten path. Mm. And by visiting all the sites of the national park system, I think you will as thoroughly see the country as possible. And I'm, you know, a third of the way there. Did a little hiking, had a really nice time. Uh, it was great. Uh, the show was great. Then we drive to San Diego. Um, we drive along the sort of you. We could see the sort of border wall mm -hmm. as we're driving. Which I mean, this is very dramatic, guys. This fucking border wall. I'm pretty sure the vast majority of illegal immigrants get in through like uh, shipping containers or like in giant trucks. They're like stuff. You know, nobody people. It's rare that those people are like coming across the literal border. Mm -hmm. Dude, I got a little bit of PTSD because there's like checkpoints, which I understand with like. That's something that makes sense. If there's people that are trying to come into the country, it makes sense to just monitor it to make sure you can't just do whatever you want. Um, but uh, I got a little PTSD to Afghanistan because it's the yeah. first time I've driven through like a military checkpoint. Uh, 
and you know it's fine they look in the car they, they're like you keep keep moving no i'm sure they're probably just stopping mostly bigger things that could fit more people or anybody who looks us but we were listening to bad bunny and i did make the joke i'm like should we turn this down <laughs> <laughs> which military was more uh intimidating oh. <laughs> i mean that's an interesting question because the taliban a, a lot of the time the taliban guys at those checkpoints were like 15 so it's like not that intimidating when a 15 year old stops you but it's also intimidating in its own way where you're like this child could easily have really bad judgment uh-huh Definitely, uh, just because I'm American, the Taliban situation was more intimidating. Mm-hmm. But the America situation was equally equally intimidating in some ways, I'm sure, depending on who you are, okay. perspective. Um, but so, went to San Diego, did the shows. They were amazing. Mic drop comedy, hell yeah. Thank you to everybody who came out. A uh, bunch of people who listen to the pod were talking about you too. Oh, sweet. Which is sweet. Uh, both shows are both in both Thank cities. Um, but I went to a really sick national monument in san diego and i can say with confidence that this was the highlight of the national parkage uh as for me and they were all it was all cool experiences but it's called the cabrillo national monument and it's basically where european explorers first touched down on the west coast which is sort of a story you don't hear as about as much i guess cabrillo was the guy's name whatever uh i want to say it was the 16th century if you don't mind checking that for me um and so there's sort of like a, a lighthouse that commemorates the journey and him land, landing down. Not like it's like a statue on a hill, which is pretty beautiful view of the ocean. Uh, Luke Marcus, who actually met through Francis, who's one of Francis's old pals, who who officiated Francis's wedding. Oh, yeah. He okay. was he's out there. He's stationed out there now in the military. So he met up. My buddy Charlie met up. A, bu- a couple friends came out. Um, Fifteen forty two. Fifteen forty two. So that was kind of, I was right about that. Solid. Um, but, okay, sorry. So anyway, the cool thing here, there are these like tide pools. So if you go at low tide, which thank you, a listener of the pod recommended that. You see these tide pools are exposed and dude, they are, it's gorgeous. Like the way that like the water is going up and down and the way that it's sort of like affecting the, uh, what's the word for that? When the rocks shape differently. The rocks change shape. Erosion. erosion. Thank you. Yes. Uh, nice, dude. Well, yeah, the way that the erosion, dude, is absolutely gorgeous. And while we were down there, it started pouring. Classic. Colorado brings rain with him everywhere it goes. Luke's like, dude, it has not rained here since I've lived here. But thanks for bringing it with you. <laughs> then I immediately went from there to the Delta Lounge. And I left my merch in the Delta Lounge, bro. I left it by accident. And as I'm... I had no idea. I'm about going to board my flight. I get a phone call from Delta. I'm like, what the fuck? I answer. Somehow Delta found me and called me and told me that I left my merch. These were posters, right? Yeah. Signed posters. <laughs> I had a big box and I left it there and they called me and I was like, wow. A plus. That is A plus service. A plus. 100%. Yeah, dude. So it was nice. Nice to hit some new ground. That's I'd great. never, I'd never been to either of those airports. That was fun. I love seeing an airport. Uh, love being in a new town and come see us on the road. That's the moral of the story. I'll say this, man. I'm happy that I am in a sort of steady relationship so that I don't have to meet new partners. It can be nerve wracking and, you know, it can certainly be difficult to perform sometimes in some of those situations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things working against you when it's the first time. And I know people, people get in their own heads. Sometimes they can't perform. We don't want that over here. No, we want, we want anybody that listens to Oops the Podcast to perform living their best life there's always room for improvement guys uh and if you're thinking of uh boosting your performance Mm. we recommend the sexual performance booster from joy mode it is a all natural and science-backed supplement to give your disco stick all the tools it needs with nothing it doesn't. It's pretty straightforward. You just simply mix this wonderful concoction with six to eight ounces of water 45 minutes before you decide to get freaky in the sheets and watch Mm. the magic unfold literally. Uh, Be the new sheriff in the bedroom, Ryan. Jermo's uh, <laughs> sexual performance booster is like a pre-workout, but for sex, designed to support erection quality, firmness, and sex drive, containing a bunch of clinically supported doses of arginine, of arginine nitrate, mm. L-citrulline, panax ginseng, vitamin C. It also supports blood vessel support. 
uh, cardiovascular and heart health, athletic performance, blood pressure, and of course, general erection function. The samurai pills from the gas station ain't it, pal. Yeah, the elephant pills. What are you doing? Don't do that. Don't do that. That's disgusting. Uh, Joy Mode's where it's at. If you're looking to improve your sexual performance, go to usejoymode.com. Get 20% off with code OOPS at checkout. That's 20% off and free shipping with code OOPS at usejoymode.com. Not come. <laughs> Growing up, I was also a Lakers and Yankees fan. My dad was fans of both of those. Mm. Um, what other sport am I missing? I, football, I never really had a team. I went in and out of watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin went to Arizona State, and for some reason, because of that, I decided that I was going to like Jake Plummer, which led me to liking the Cardinals for a little bit, because Jake Plummer, I think, went to Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that, whatever. But as I've gotten older, dude, and this cemented it for me, Hillary's father planted the seed in my head. He tends to root for like, he likes to root for smaller market teams sometimes. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, oh, Milwaukee, it's a cool story. It's a small, and I'm like, oh, that's, I'm like, oh, there's something to that. But I hadn't like fully acted on it yet. I watched a 30 for 30 about the city of Cleveland and like how sports relate to it and how they like had some bad luck. And then like LeBron bringing, like bringing the championship home sort of like broke this curse they supposedly have. So this is after 2016, um, after the championship. What do you mean? Like, this documentary came out after yeah, the Cavs know. won. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't like, I don't know how close in relation it was made based on that, but they covered everything up until LeBron came back, won the title. For got them. it. Got it. And it kind of okay. was like, everybody's happy right off into the sunset. And I was like, oh, that's so nice for that city. This is a city where like the population has declined quite a bit. And I could see why people would feel bummed out about that, about living somewhere that used to be popping off more than it currently is. I can see how that would be tough for morale. So somehow, and this might not be true specifically across the board, but a city like that, like if the sports team does really well, that seems to be very meaningful. And not just ceremonially, but it's also literally meaningful. Like it's good. It puts the city back in the limelight. It it translates into the city prospering Mm -hmm. more, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I have decided, I decided in that moment and I, and, and it's only been a couple of weeks, but this is new for me, but I'm only going to root for sports teams that are in cities that have declining populations. <laughs> that fits you so well. <laughs> I was bummed out when the bills went down, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That was brutal. But it's true, man. Like any that sort of suits you. Any city that has maybe seen better days or that is on the comeback or that isn't like a big, quote, rich city is the, are the teams that I'm rooting for. Mm-hmm. A lot of Rust Belt cities. Go Lions, bro. Go Lions. Uh, I go. don't even know if Detroit's in the Rust Belt, but I'm just saying. Like in general, like Cleveland, uh, Detroit. and I Cincinnati? Don't... Sure. Go Reds. But I think Cincinnati's like... The doing, Bengals. I keep hearing from people. Cincinnati's doing is is doing really well, actually. I'm just, any smaller market, whether mm-hmm. it's declining or small or both, those are my teams. Now. So you want to root for a small market team that's also shitty, or a small market that's good. Either. Okay. A smaller. I'm trying to think of like the the worst, like the here's the who I'm not rooting franchises for. out there that like you could like uproot their fandom. Well, here's the teams I'm not rooting for: Dallas. Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. Really? I'm from here. I'm wearing a Knicks hat. Don't give a shit. Um, and I get the Knicks are like a bit of a cursed franchise. I don't, I don't have a team in any sport at this point. I'll be honest. So on any given year, depending on if I like the people on them, maybe I'll root for that team. But I will not be rooting for teams from uh, big markets ever again. What about Boston? Boston. Like I don't. I wouldn't consider Boston to be. To necessarily fall underneath that. There's, there's maybe some debate there, but I think Boston feels like it's on the cusp. Interesting. It's an international city. It's like there's, you know, it's the closest flight to Europe. It seems to be pretty poppin' and established. Mm. And and I get that they're underdogs to the Yankees, but to me still, Boston is too too bougie for me to root for. Interesting. This interesting. Moment. A man without a team. Man without a team, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm the supporter of the small cities. So, like, if we went to a Yankees game, like, would you cheer for the Yankees? I mean, I'm not going to be there being annoying and making a point not to. I, I probably just won't pay attention because I wouldn't want to go to a baseball game. No offense to baseball. Really? Uh, like, I like baseball and I like watching on TV, but the games, I'm like, I, I'm not that interested in going. Okay. To be honest. 
Thank you. Um, Interesting. But so, but this doesn't apply to tennis, and I'll, I'll explain why. Now, I am a Novak Djokovic fan. That's an individual sport. Exactly, and this is why. So you might say you, you the same thing could be applicable to countries. So therefore, I'm rooting for people from smaller countries. Mm. But no, because I can't overcome the behavior of an individual. So if I like the guy, I'm going to root for him. His country shouldn't be held against him. Teams take on a bigger identity. Teams represent the city. You know what I mean? And if there's like a guy on a team who I hate, maybe it'll be harder for me to root for them. But in general, I wish uh, teams from the cities with the criteria that I've explained, I wish for them to do well. Mm. I'm not a monster. Okay. So, right. So like, I guess, yeah, since he would fall in that, there are some like small fan bases that are a little annoying. So there's a chance that I might get tripped up there. Yeah, you want to be careful listing those off. Yes, I'm going to be. And, like, don't say Philadelphia. <laughs> well, Philly to me, <laughs> Philly's a poppin' city, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, the Philly has a lot of rich people. I think it's like a pretty well-to-do city in general. I mean, I know that, you know, there's pockets everywhere. That have I'm just thinking of the fans. I'm just thinking of the fans. Yeah, they have the they have a very notorious reputation. No, Phil. I mean, dude, Philly has uh, great sports teams. It's a great sports town, and uh, I think it's maybe the perfect balance of like being a smaller city, but like being big enough and significant enough of a city that they can support big franchises, fund them, get good teams. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm oversimplifying. They're, they're relevant in all four. I don't know about the flyers. I don't watch hockey. Um, they, I think historically they're a strong franchise. I I would, I don't know. know I'm not sure, but like the Sixers are great and B just scored 70 points. 70 points. The Phillies, uh, you know, the Bryce Harper MVP recently won Uh, the world series. Uh, they made it to the World Series, but they won not long ago, right? In the last two thousand two thousand eight was the last time okay, they won the World so Series. I guess that's getting on. Being um, wrong, but. but there's they're relevant and they're hot and they're yeah. young and uh, they're, they're sexy grizzly team. And uh, if I was, I would with like Bryce Harper, what a stud! And then the Eagles, the Eagles, Eagles, are the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's that. I like my teams. Go I really Lions. like my I really like my teams. I'm glad that I have what I have. Great. But I will I will be honest. I. There, it, it, the Yankees haven't won since 2009. I was in eighth grade. I was 14. I didn't appreciate the World Series that they won because it was the first year that I really started watching baseball. And I only watched baseball because my dad kept watching it because they were that good of a team. They were the best team in, in the regular season. And I didn't appreciate the championship. And uh, every year, the, the chase, it's always about the chase. And I, I get excited and then I get disappointed. I get excited and I get disappointed. And... Um, I'm nervous for when they do win a championship, if that's going to change. Like, my, I think you'll take it for granted. Like, I, no, not that I'll take it for granted, but that I will no longer be as excited for them to win their next championship because it's, it's they've possible been able to get to, spoiled. They've been able to do like if like I I if I won a championship, they're they're what do they call it? The hangover, the hangover effect. A team wins a championship yeah. and then they're kind of not as good the next year. I don't know how I would feel as a fan. Like, would I be as invested, uh, knowing okay, we already won, we already won a championship. I'm good for a little bit. No, I think you get spoiled, bro. I think like you then are think it's a disappointment if you don't win, win at all. Mm-hmm. Well, we still have that mindset every year, except the Yankees are a completely different organization than they were in the '90s when they did win every year. Yeah. Um, I don't know, bro. I love. I watched the 1996 World Series video seven thousand times. Huge Yankee fan growing up. I can quote the first three minutes of it. Yeah, I've done it on the show before. It's the best starting pitching staff in baseball. Has taken Atlanta the postseason six straight times. <laughs> the goal this year, a simple one: keep the title <laughs> a in Atlanta. Simple one. Yeah, it just shows it, like Greg Maddox throwing yeah. fucking heat. And if you guys Yankees fans, shoot me a message. I'll, I'll talk baseball all day. I know the most random stuff. I was watching Mark Burley's highlights for the 2005 <laughs> World Series. I mean, a uh, perfect game that he threw. Throwing smoke. When, uh, what's his name, came off the bench and uh, the first out in the ninth inning, caught the ball uh, at the fence, then dropped it, and then uh, was able to catch it with his bare hand before it hit the ground. Every perfect game has that moment. Oh, nice. There we go. Yeah. Just, that's my pitch to you. Send me a message. Let's talk ball. <laughs> I still can't get over the time where the guy was out. Uh, on the final out of the perfect game, Detroit. Yeah. Oh yeah. They should that just guy like got death threats. They need to. <laughs> the, the hump, oh, they yeah. need to categorize that as a perfect game in the history books. They should. If the Astros won a World Series, to clarify, guys, asterisk, asterisk, that guy deserves a a, a a perfect game. To anybody who isn't a baseball fan, a perfect game is where the other team gets no hits and you don't walk anybody. A no hitter, you can walk people, and it's still an illustrious thing that very few people do. But a perfect game. You don't walk anybody and nobody gets any hits. 
they they were in the bottom of the ninth inning, two outs. They needed one more out, and the guy they got the guy out, but the umpire called him safe mm-hmm. when he was pretty clearly out. It was a bad call. Yeah, and this and, was before replay. Yeah. So what yeah. was was there's no challenging the play. There's nothing you can do. And the perfect game is very rare. Uh, Yankees threw the 24th perfect game uh, last year with Domingo Herman, who is a terrible person. Is he? Yeah. Why? Domestic abuse, over and over. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Um. Well, I the David Wells perfect game is an interesting one. He was like famously hungover and stuff. That's worth mm-hmm. watching that. There's, I think there's a 30 for 30 on it. Mm-hmm. Or some oral history thing. There's also, there's a, uh, some, one team won. It was the Angels and the Dodgers. Uh, a team got no hit and they won the game. Oh, interesting. Because of too many errors, errors and hit and by walks. pitch and walks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like that's they won right. one nothing in extra innings. Oh, that's the, that's the only one of those? I think so, yeah. Pretty pathetic. Uh, that's funny. So, dude, the, so this is all I'll say, and I guess we can wrap up this topic and move on. But the, I'm ashamed of myself because I remember rooting against LeBron. The year that they won, they were down. They came back and won. And the fact that I was rooting for the Nepo Baby team, the Nepo Baby Rich City team against the underdogs, LeBron putting the city on his back. The Golden fa- State. Yeah, the fact that I was rooting for Clay and Steph Curry over LeBron gives me shame. Yeah. And look, Steph Curry, you know, you can't take anything away from those guys and from that team and that dynasty. They're amazing. But as a fan. I, I I should have been rooting for LeBron. I feel bad now. Yeah, that was. A, I mean, I the, I had a phase where I hated LeBron James with everything. That's why I love sports. That's why it's it surprises me to not that you don't have a team, um, because I I was a Lakers fan, but the same amount of passion that I had in that team, I also had passion in hating LeBron James. I kept tabs on him. How was Miami doing? When he went to Miami, I hated his guts. I rooted against him. But then when he went back to Cleveland, I feel like America just like came together, forgave him, and was rooting for him to win. And then when they finally did, I thought that was one of the most like beautiful moments in sports that we've had in the country. It's amazing. Cleveland is for you. Love to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude. The uh, and look, Nepo baby does not apply to sports. I'm being cheeky there. Like at the end of the day, if you're not good, you're not going to play. Nepo baby is sort of implies that you're not qualified. Steph mm-hmm. Curry is a far better player than his father. No offense to Dell, who I grew up pretending I was in driveway three-point competitions. <laughs> That's how old I am. And then Michael Thompson is Clay Thompson's father. He's a Hall of Famer. So I guess I wonder what who, who will end up saying is better when all of a sudden Doug, probably Clay. People might I don't, say I don't. I didn't know that he was career. a. I didn't know his dad was in the league. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Yeah. I have a question for you. Hit me. So I was in New Hampshire. And I went up with Vic and our two friends, and we were filling up the trunk of the car with all of our bags. We had a ton of bags, and I had my backpack. And I put my backpack towards kind of the top of the stack, and it was stuffed. And, you know, it took a lot of effort to close the door um, and, you know, keeping an eye on everything to make sure nothing was falling or falling out as you were closing the door. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you put it at the top of the pile. Yes. So there was room at the top of the pile for the backpack to squeeze. All the backpacks were on the top. Okay. Everyone so, put their backpacks because they have the most delicate things in their laptops. Right. So they're on top. So there's one available little slot left for you to put yours. Yes. Okay. Just like the top level. No visibility out the rear window, theoretically, if you were to look over your shoulder. Just enough. Just enough. Barely a little bit. Barely. But it, yeah, it was stuffed. Cool. Yes, it was stuffed. Now, my question is, uh, or let's continue. So we get to, uh, we stop in New Haven and we go to Modern Pizza. Mm. And the guy that was driving the car goes to open up the trunk. And uh, multiple bags fell out and hit the ground. Now, we put, he put the bags back in, closed the trunk. We went on with our lunch. Then we went home. I got my backpack and I got inside. And before I opened up my backpack... I thought to myself, there's a chance that my laptop might be broken. It might be dented. It, the screen might be cracked. Ugh. It could be really fucked up. Stress. So regardless of whether or not, uh, my, my laptop ended up being fine. But my question is, if my laptop were to break, whose fault mm. is that? And how do you go about that? That's a good one. In my opinion, you the guy who, this is the way this should go. If it's, we're all civilized people here. The backpack falls out. The laptop breaks. I'm the one who opened the bat. I say I'm the one who opened the trunk and it's your backpack falls out. Your laptop's broken. This is how it should go. If it's a civilized situation, I should say, dude, I'm so sorry. 
let me like, let me take care of that for you. <laughs> and you should go, no, dude, no, like, no, I put my bag there. We overstuffed it. It's not your fault. Absolutely not. Me offering, I'm, I don't mean it. To me, I know that it's your fault. I'm like, you put your bag there. You shouldn't have put it there. The, it's overpacked. As I was going to the trunk, you should have reminded me if you were so concerned about it. Or if you were so concerned about it, you shouldn't put it in a precarious place. Mm -hmm. We should both know that. But being friends and to keep things cordial, I offer. And I really, it seems like I mean it. I don't. And then you should say, dude, absolutely not. It's my fault. I think I have a warranty, but I'm not sure. And whether or not that's true, you never bring it up again. Yeah. In my opinion. But we're talking like $3,000. Like an expensive item that needs to be replaced immediately. Yeah. Like drop whatever you're doing. You yep. get it. I do. Yeah. So I, I had that thought before opening it. And um, if it was broken, what would you have done? Realistically. I probably. <coughs> I thought about it for a while. There's no. How do you after the fact hours later? Like, I feel like that also has a lot to do with it. If you dealt with it immediately, let's say he drops the backpack, I run out, I'm like, <gasps> I open up my backpack, I check my laptop, and it's broken. He sees me discover that the laptop's broken. That's different than me calling him seven hours oh, later. Oh, yeah. Hey, Julio. Is that what happened? Is that what would have happened? That's what I was thinking would have happened if it was were to be broken. And because you didn't open it in the moment? I didn't open it in the moment. But you thought about it later. I thought about it the whole ride home, up <laughs> until I got back. I don't, I don't, I felt like it was, it was too far back. I would have made a scene. I felt like a pussy if I was doing that. So I, I, I waited, I got home and I just had the thoughts myself. I'm just like, as I'm unzipping my case, I'm like, if this is broken, I don't think I have the balls to call him and, and tell him. Yeah. So it would just be my fault. Agreed. Yeah. You absolutely. It's like the equivalent of if you get punched in the face, if you don't go to the hospital that night to like get so you have an official report on the whole thing, it's much harder to press charges. Good point. It's like the same sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I was nervous about that. And then, you know, it, it pro I probably had a responsibility to, to, to say something before he opened it, but he just watched. So there was no, like that, that's, that's like devil's advocate in which I could like ask him for a prorated amount of money to mm. put towards the laptop. You just watched everything fall. Like he like, he opened the door and then he was like, it, the way that he... Uh, took you on the situation. Stupid, the way that he took on the situation was kind of like, well, things are falling out of the car. I'm not going to do anything about it. Just wait till everything's done and pick it on up. So like, he just watched a bunch of shit fall out. Yeah. He didn't like. No, there was no like, oh, uh, ah, 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 ah. like no, like it was just like, whoop. When this is done, I'll close the door and we'll move on with our day. Like that was that was like the uh, that was the cadence of his reaction time. You watched him. I watched the whole. You thing. watched it really. So, and his reaction time was just pathetic. There was no like no. I think he knew right away things. That's a thing. I knew right away. He knew right away that things were falling, and he just decided not to do anything about it. Sounds like he was trying to break your laptop, dude. I think <laughs> I think he should. We should kill him. Um, he wants you to move back to Stanford and be an accountant. Yeah, and he can have you all to himself. Hundred percent. But yeah, that's 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 stuff I think about. Um, no, totally. It's interesting because that that is an expense. Like, what do you do? Like, if uh, if somebody like if some okay, let's say that's I, a good one. All right, here's here's a question for you. We're sitting on your white couch right now. I uh, spent a whole weekend up in the cabin, and there was fire, so it was really dry. The air was really dry, and I was getting bloody noses mm -hmm. every every hour. If we're recording this podcast right now, and I got just a bloody nose. And it got onto your couch, and let's just say it's a stain of no return. What what what, what do we do there? Um, I I would probably say, oh my god, Julio, I'm like, dude, I would first, I'd be like, dude, I got blood on your couch. I'm so sorry. Let me try to clean it. How how can I make this right? Yeah, that's good. And there's no, and I, I would mean that. I yeah, I don't think there's like a scenario that you can't come back from there too. Like you've seen the commercials spilling wine on a fucking white rug. There has to be some way to deal with it. Neither of us know that way, most likely. I know I don't. Uh -huh. So I would quickly pull up my phone, look up how to fix it, and then if uh, we couldn't figure <laughs> it out, I wouldn't like hold it against you. Well, what what if what if okay? So it needed to be professionally cleaned or something, and you insisted on doing it. Maybe I'd let you. All right. Well, let's let's say let's say I get the bloody nose, and then we stop the podcast, and I leave, and you're like, dude, everything's fine. I'm gonna get it out. I'm not worried about it. 
don't worry about it. I'm 100% getting it out. Right. I wouldn't and go then, back on it, dude. But then I come back a week later to record the next uh. episode of the podcast. And you're like, hey, dude, everything seems fine. And I come to sit down and I look to my left and there's this exact same stain. And uh, I, I would assume that despite your best efforts, you were never able to get the stain out. Mm. I I would feel really guilty and I don't know if I would be able to continue doing the podcast with you or working with you. <laughs> well, bro, okay. This is what I would encourage you to do in the future if this arises. There has to be some measure you can take. Even if it's you get the padding reupholstered or some shit. Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know. And probably, I don't even know if this couch is going to make it into our next apartment. And I don't think Hillary likes it. She doesn't think it's comfortable, which I don't agree with. I think it's very comfortable. I like it a lot. Mm. And it's great for the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pod. But I appreciate it, Ryan. I'm glad you're thinking about all this stuff. That's what we do here on the pod anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very specific situation. I'm just glad the computer didn't break. Me too, dude. So you didn't have to be, so then you didn't have to think in the back of your head, well, dude, if you weren't such a fucking klutz, yeah. This wouldn't have been a problem. I was able to delete my drafted text message. Uh, There's no issue. Hey, Clint. How do you, how do you, did you even, draft it in the backseat? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just yeah. kidding. But how, how do you how do you even, you can't come back from it. Like you said, when you go to the hospital, you can't, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Clint, um, when, uh, I don't know what happened, but I know that you dropped my laptop. You yep. have to open with the, I don't know Strike what happened. Strike when the iron's hot. Um, and I, I think that my screen is just, <laughs> you send them a picture, just shattered. And yeah. you're like, so like, I don't know what to do about this, but like, you know, like, it's totally fine, but like, are you going to fucking pay for this or what? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's true. I No, no. I'd want him to at least know what happened. And I wouldn't know how to bring that up. It would, yeah. That would require But what's the benefit of letting them, what, just I don't be know, careful? Make them feel bad? Like the fact that they were able to ruin your life and not know about it? it would, dude, if my laptop shattered, it would ruin my life. Dude, Victoria, we have to go to the Apple store. Like it, it's happened three times. She's had to replace, I think, two or three work laptops because she confuses her fucking laptop for a plant. She like always ends up getting it soaking really? wet. Her work laptop, so they, they like they they cover it. But like when I have my laptop out around up? her, I like jokingly like whenever oh, she's same. like, "Can I use the desk?" I'm like, "Hold on a sec, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't Dude. touch it." Put the mug down, and I'll like grab my stuff, and I will move it to the counter as if it's a bomb. I'm like, same. you cannot be near my laptop. If I see Hillary sitting at the ca- at the table with like a mug, or like I will just I'll just like if I see a hard drive near her, I'll be like, I'm just gonna go ahead and take oh, that, yeah. and I move it, or I'm like. I'm just worries me because she's a little splashy herself. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, she's a little splashy. <laughs> Those elbows, you know, a they... little slash splashy and droppy, just a little bit drippy, drippy, droppy, splashy, drippy, droppy, just a little bit of that. Crumbs, crumbs, little crummy. Is <laughs> Hillary crummy? But I love her. No, she's not. She's not. Vic's crummy. not crummy. She's not her. crummy, but she's splashy, dude. A little sloppy. She's splashy. A little sloppy. Not even sloppy. Splashy. <laughs> <laughs> a little drip Well we love our ladies We love our ladies, love our uh, ladies. Come see us tonight guys Stamford I'm going to be in Brooklyn On the 13th Running my, my hour For the last time Most likely Before I record it So No pressure uh, 16th I'm in Chicago Recording the special I just added Syracuse and Albany To my schedule uh, Albany's the 9th of March Syracuse is the 8th of March I really want to sell those uh, Pretty Pretty big So Come out to those Those, those will be great uh, and I have some stuff near Allentown, PA coming, I think, too, uh, along with some other dates. So keep your eyes posted, and we'll see you to show soon, Lynch. What about you? What do you got? Yeah, check me out. Ryan is really polite. Uh, Twitter, Ryan is polite. And uh, yeah, once again, shoot us emails at oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. Send us some stories. Send us anything. We'd love to chat about. We love uh, hearing what you guys have to say, and we love you. All of you. Yes, we do. <laughs>